come I confess Bowing here I find my rest Without you I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart Lord, I need you Oh, I need you My righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are, and where you Christ in me, yes, where you are, Lord, I am free, holiness is Christ in me, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. My righteousness, oh God, how I need you. So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. My righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Anyway, thank Casey for that. Appreciate a young man who's using his talents for God's glory. And Casey and his young bride um, took off work this whole past week to be able to go up with the kids to camp and I appreciate that. Have you ever been called someone's young bride before? No, it's the first. Her name's Amy, that's her real name, so. But young bride works too. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Anybody need notes? Note check. All right, need, got a couple that need notes? Anybody else need notes? 
Okay, I've got a couple up here on the front. Sisters are helping them. <laughs> Just hold your arm for her. It's awesome. 2 Corinthians 6. Make sure you get everybody notes that wants them. We're going to start in verse number 14, and we will read through... Uh, let's go ahead and read through the end of the chapter tonight. 2 Corinthians 6, and verse number 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And so a clear passage here on the cleansing or separated life of those who follow Jesus Christ, and that goes for young people as well, and we're going to look tonight at the subject of dating or courting, and you could, um, some people say, well, we don't call it dating, we call it courting, so I put them both on there, you could call it whatever you want, it's the way that young people, as they form into their late teenage years or early 20s, begin to meet members of the opposite sex for the goal of marriage or the goal of, of coming together spiritually in the way God has intended. And so whichever term you use for it at your house, that's fine with me. And I'm not trying to um, say you have to use a different one. I'm just saying that it's open season in either one of those terms tonight as we go through the lesson. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. I pray that it would be a, a helpful time, an uplifting time, and that you would help us uh, as your children to walk in the way that you've intended for our lives. We pray for all of the young people in this room and all of the, the singles, all of the boys and girls uh, who someday will, will face some of these issues. And I pray for parents who uh, are seeking to guide their children in the right path, that they will look at these principles from your word and observe. And we thank you for each one who's here, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's start into your notes, and we say this first. The dating game or the courting game can be a dangerous trap for teens. Here's why. Because it encourages them to pursue a romantic fantasy love at an age when they lack maturity, character, and wisdom. Um, for many, many centuries, literature, which is books, um, newspapers, the, with the invention of movies, even silent movies, and then unsilent movies, and television, and everything has pointed toward the idea that there is this magical, feel-good, fantasy romance. And of course, um, most ladies love to watch, what do they call them, chick flicks? Is that what they call them? chick flicks and you sit down with, with popcorn or bonbons or Snickers dots or whatever it's going to be and you watch and it makes you feel good. Right? Because, oh, isn't that sweet? 
He loves her. She loves him. And most people don't realize that it's just cellophane. It's just a movie. It's not real life. And so there's this fantasy love that's out there. And when people buy into it at a very early age, sometimes 11, 12, 13 years old, it results in some problems. And I'll mention some of those by way of introduction before we get into our notes. Um, One-on-one dating, especially in an early age, leads couples to spend too much time alone. And we talked in in recent weeks about um, the time period, especially for for boys, uh, when their physical hormones are peaking, and for girls, when they're starting to feel things in their body and in their senses and in their emotions. And uh, so one-on-one dating certainly could lead to some big problems. Uh, Another problem is that sometimes teens develop an emotional attachment um, and their emotional attachment gets too strong and it's stronger than their physical sense is. And what, they, what begins to happen is this emotional attachment gets so big that now they feel like their physical relationship has to reach that same level or that same intensity. And that causes a lot of problems for Christian young people. Um, another one, uh, they make poor choices on whom to date. And because of that, they are negatively influenced by those who don't share the same values. The passage we read is going to be a key that we'll look at later on in the lesson. Sometimes, because of where they go to school, or their neighborhood, or their friends, or even their church, um, there can be this peer pressure, and they feel a peer pressure where they have to pair up, or they have to pair off um, when they're too young or immature to make good decisions about that. And uh, so certainly not a mentality that we want to buy into. Last one in the introduction. Uh, sets up young people to move from one short-term relationship to another short-term relationship to find fulfillment. Um, you, when you hear 12-year-olds saying, well, he just doesn't do it for me anymore. You know, I liked that guy for a long time and we, we hung out, or whatever term they're going to use, and it's just not doing it for me anymore. I've got to find somebody different. What they're doing is they're setting their life up in a trend where they think that some relationship is going to fulfill them as a human being. And if they carry that into their older teenage years, they're going to be, be in relationships. They're going to shape the entire scope of their lives now. And uh, I meet people all the time who are on their fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth significant relationship, and they just keep moving to another one, to another one, to another one, because they think that there's going to be this magical one out there. After all, Cary Grant, in an affair to remember, met Deborah Kerr on the top of the entire state building or whatever happened, I remember. The remake was the remake, Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, nobody even knows what that one is. It's just probably too old. <laughs> probably too old. When was it made? In the early 1980s or 1990? Um, some of you are looking at me like, like, as if you have never seen a romance. Some of you are looking at me like that. Some of you are looking at me like you have never had an ushy-gushy feeling. Don't you remember back when you were in third grade or fourth grade 
and you pass the most significant note of your life, right? Do you like me? Check one of these, right? And all the words were spelled wrong. Yes, no, and you slid it over, right? And, and then you got the news back, and it devastated you because it was no. Um, but this emotional type of response is very dangerous. And so for parents, I'm going to encourage you tonight to get past the myth with your kids of dating or fantasy or romance and develop a, a fresh approach because you have to have real life action going into this. So number one in your notes, our teens need our training, guidance, and ongoing involvement as they approach the issue of guy-girl relationships. If you are not the go-to influence in their lives on this, then their peers will be. And television will be, and the internet will be. And so parents really have to step up to the plate on this. We say underneath here, young people are living in a youth culture with too many liberties and not nearly enough parental involvement and boundaries. Way too many liberties and way not enough boundaries. And so, parents, we've talked about in the series before that this is your job. And if you do not keep your responsibility, eventually you're going to feel like, well, I lost the battles. No need, no need to fight anymore on this. And, and so you really have to start out early. We have some kids in here who are 7, 8, 9, 10 years old tonight. That's awesome because this is the time when parents can really talk to those kids. You can talk to a 9 or 10-year-old about, if he's a boy, talk to him about girls. And you know what they're going to do? Ew! Girls! Ew! And you can talk to girls who are that same age about boys. And they're like, oh, I can't stand boys. Right? They're, they're the biggest problem ever. But that begins to change over time. And so we want to get that talk going early and process this. Number two. We must set rules and boundaries for a child. It's got to be done. If you don't set any rules and boundaries in your life, you're preparing for failure. Now, people just don't understand this. They don't get it. They're like, well, it'll just all happen naturally. Yes, it will. The natural man will take over and it will happen naturally. You have got to set boundaries in your life. Well, what if they don't keep the boundaries? It is much better to set a mark high and not quite hit it than to set no mark at all. And so we definitely want these boundaries. Here's a good tip for you underneath. Write out on paper your family's dating policy on issues such as when... How old do they need to be before they even begin to talk about things like this? And dads always say about their daughters, they need to be 30 years old. Right? They need to be 29 years old. Um, so there's got to be a when. There's also got to be a whom. Who, who can they hang out with? Who could they even begin to think about some type of a future relationship? And uh, the advice that we normally would give here at Centennial is this. Never, ever go out on a courtship or a date with someone that you would not be prepared to marry. 
Don't ever do it. Because when you go out with somebody just to get to know them, and I can change them, and I know he's not a Christian, and I know she's not a Christian, and they don't believe like we do, but it's okay, we're only this old, and it'll work out. Those are the types of relationships that end in disaster for your path of life. And so you've got to abide by God's principle here. God doesn't say, don't ever meet unsaved people. We actually have to meet unsaved people to be able to win them to Christ. But God says, do not form partnerships with people who do not have the same values you do. Especially the number one partnership, marriage. You've got to evaluate these things before you even begin to go on that path. And so write down when, write down whom, and write down what. What kind of activities are they going to get to go on? You're going to let your 15-year-old go on a a single date with somebody. Don't do that. Bad move. Um, What kind of environments are they going to be able to be associated with? How many people will be there? What kind of communications can they have with phone calls and Twitter and Facebook and email and texting and all the things that are going on out there? You actually have to sit down and write it out. And then you have to come back and reevaluate where it's at. Sometimes you have to step it up a little more. Number three, we, especially dads, unless you're a single mom, need to interview our daughter's dates. Okay, now this is, this one, you're somebody who never heard of this before. You need to interview your daughter's dates. And before you even go anywhere, say they're going to go on a double date with their teacher to a school function. You still, the kid needs to come and ask dad, and dad needs to interview him. Um, And this will cure a lot of the ailments that happen in society. Here's what television and the movies show about normal society. Um, A dad, a, a clueless dad who has no clue about life, comes into his own house and on his couch, there's a 16-year-old boy making out with his daughter. And he says, well, who's that? I don't know that guy. And then he walks upstairs and throws his keys down and does his stuff. And he acts like it's no big deal. That's not the Christian life. You have to know who's hanging out with your kids. And you ought to go through this process. So I asked Briston to help me tonight. And I thought Briston would be good because Briston's only, how old are you? He's 10 years old, right? So he doesn't have, he thinks girls have cooties. And he doesn't have, well, uh-oh. Did I choose the wrong person? We, we could be in trouble here. So I'm going to interview Briston as if I am the father of a young lady who Briston wants to hang out with, all right? So come right here. We're going to sit down on the family front porch with the old swing and the, the ice-cold glass bottles of Coca-Cola, and uh, old grandpa's going to sit down with Briston here. All right, so Briston, let me ask you some things. Uh, first thing I want to say to you, um, you understand that a woman is God's creation, right? A beautiful creation, fine creation. You've got that, right? 
And my daughter, she's not only a fine young woman, but she's also very pretty, huh? Now, now, Briston's basically in a catch-22 here. He has to nod and grin. What, what could he possibly do at this point? She's my daughter. We're going through the interview. Um, another thing I want to talk to you about today, Briston, the attraction of a young man to a young lady is a normal thing. And I'm sure your parents have talked to you about that. It's a good thing. God created it to be that way. And so I want you to know that it's okay for you to be attracted to my daughter. It's okay for you to go out with her. But there are some things we need to talk about. Um, Third, I I know I look really old. But I understand and I remember what the hormones are like in a young man who's 16 years old, even though you're 10. (laughs) And if he were 16, I might really scare him to death at this point. I'd say, Briston, I've seen some informal surveys out there about how often teenage boys think about physical things. And um, surveys say it's one out of every seven seconds. And you know that the other six are the same way, right? See, he he has no clue what I'm talking about right now. But with a 16-year-old boy, he is scared out of his mind at this point. He's scared. Now, it's okay for him to be scared. Um, At this point, his eyes are dilating. He's clearing his throat. He's squirming. And so we kind of chuckle with each other to ease the awkwardness. And so then I say, Briston, I'm going to hold you personally accountable for your relationship with my daughter. I'm going to ask you to deal uprightly with my daughter. Another thing I'm going to challenge you, we've discussed this in the series. This is to the audience, not to Chris. Um, I'm going to challenge you to purity. Not virginity, but biblical purity. Because I want you to guard your innocence as well as my daughter's innocence. And uh, next one, I want you to respect and uphold the dignity of my daughter by keeping your hands off of her. Will you keep your hands off of my daughter? Okay. This is a fair question to ask, right? If he doesn't faint at this point, then he may be okay. Now, we're talking about a 16, 17-year-old who's looking at you with the biggest eyes ever. By the way, if he doesn't agree to keep his hands off your daughter, kick him off of your porch and take the Coke back. All right? Um, seventh, last, one of these last ones, Briston. Do you understand all of what I just said to you? Yeah, I didn't think so. You may say, do you have any questions? Um, You understand, I'm going to look you in the eyes and I'm going to ask you as a gentleman um, if you've done appropriate things with my daughter, even if you do something with her five times or ten times or fifty times. And uh, then the last thing I'm going to share with him is, Briston, if you're ever a dad someday, I hope you never forget this conversation. And I hope that as a dad that you will interview your daughter's dates and kind of keep up that tradition of scaring the life out of them. Would you like to see my gun? All right. Good job, Briston. Thank you. All right. Now, that's just a sample interview that I pulled out of a book. But 
seriously, there ought to be some type of an interview process. Um, Here's why. Because for a a young kid who's 15, 16, 17, 18 years old to go and have to talk to a girl's dad scares the living daylights out of him. And it should. It is a serious, serious thing. Now, Brother James does this because he had to do it when he was in college. He had to ask Allison's dad if, if he could go out with her, which meant could we go to the lunchroom together and have some chicken pot pie? All right? I mean, that's basically what it was at that point. But, um, but there needs to be this step that's taken. And here's the deal, dads. I want you to know this. I say it in your notes. If your daughter already knows this is the policy, she will usually feel honored, protected, and loved. Because she knows that dad has her back, and he's going to watch out for her and take care of her. Number four, we need to teach our children how this fits into the process of finding a mate. And we already mentioned this, um, that you set up a criteria, not of Mr. Right or Mr. Perfect or Miss, you know, Princess, where they have to do this and they have to do that, but there ought to be some simple things. Um, Is that person already a believer in Jesus Christ? Is that person already a committed follower of Jesus Christ? Does that person have the values that you have about following Jesus Christ? Um, Because there are a lot of guys, I've met them, who are willing to wear the label Christian to hang out with a pretty girl for a while. I've met some of them. And, And so we have to really instill these values early and often in our young people. Let's talk to the teens for a minute as we wrap this up. For teens, number one, I need to understand the purpose of dating is to find someone to marry. Therefore, until I'm much older, like 42, I will concentrate on building friendships, not romantic emotional attachments with the opposite sex. Yeah, that's a very dangerous thing. Um, from time to time, you, you ought to talk to your young people. And I, I said talk to them early. This, this is a great Coke date or hot cocoa date or we go out to breakfast time and ask them questions like, what's, what's the purpose of dating? What's a date? How old should you be to date? And of course, if they're 14, what are they going to say? 14. Um, when they're 10, they're probably going to say, 21, right? Or 20 or 22. Um, And then why? Why should you be that old? Um, Here's a great question to ask your kid. Get them thinking ahead of time. If you were a parent, when would you let your child date? Isn't that a good question to ask your kid? Here's your 10-year-old who's already starting to have to process thinking about those types of issues. And so that's a great question. Um, when should you be able to double date to go out with just another couple? Would you choose to date only Christians? That's a good question to ask. Huge one. Why? Ask them why. And uh, from time to time, um, I think just at, at school, uh, they're going to meet people. In the neighborhood, they're going to meet people. At church, they're going to meet people. And uh, in a setting where you're just with your child alone, and by the way, parents, um, if at all possible, 
you should try to have a date or a significant time with your own child at least once a month. Um, Mom should try to do that, and dad should try to do that, if at all possible. Um, Susanna Wesley, who was the the mother of Charles and John Wesley, who started the Methodist Church, she had, I believe, 16 children. That's few. And you know what she did is she kept a journal of once a month having a special day with each of those children. Now, that special day may have been, you know, a 30-minute, let's turn the butter together, because this was back in the 1600s or 1700s. Or let's do the laundry together, just some rip-roaring things with the kids. But um, it's important for you to have this time, and you can ask more questions, like, why do your peers at school go out? Why do they go out? And uh, what does it mean to go out? And uh, get their feedback. Let, let's hear what it means to go out. And then another question, what do, you, what do your friends who go out do? What do they do when they go out? Um, do they hold hands with each other, with the opposite sex? Do they kiss each other? Do they hug each other? Why do they do those things? And ask your kid, do you think it's wise for them to do that? And when you begin to ask questions like this to your young people, they're going to begin to understand that mom and dad don't just set boundaries just to arbitrarily put them out there. You've thought through them. You know what you're trying to protect and how you're trying to protect it. And you want them to be able to grow up with this value system in their own heart and life where they're going to make these decisions for themselves. Here's another one for teens. Number two. I need to accept my parents' involvement and heed their wisdom. I need to accept my parents' involvement and heed their wisdom. Young people, the smartest thing you could ever do is to give your parents free reign to help you with these decisions. And say, Mom and Dad, I know I won't like it, but if I'm ever getting too emotionally attached to somebody at too early an age, I need you to tell me. Now, there's not a teenager in the world who would just say that sentence to their parents. So I'm basically saying this to parents. Um, Parents, if you see your young person getting too emotionally attached at too early of an age, you have to be the one to step in and be the parent. And a lot of parents at that point say, well, I don't want to be the bad guy. And we're such good friends right now. And we've had such a good month. And we haven't had any rebellious outbursts. And you still got to be the parent. You've got to step in at that moment, at that time. And sometimes your teen doesn't have to understand completely why you're making this decision. Um, But help your teen with some of these things. Avoiding compromising situations. See, their peers and the culture will tell them that it's okay. It's not a big deal for two teenagers, even if it's a boy and a girl, to hang out at a house together. That's a bad deal. You don't ever want that to happen. Um, They need to know that if the other parents aren't home, you don't go in the house. You don't ever go in the bedroom of a person of the opposite sex until you're married, a period, until you're married. It is a horribly bad move. And uh, 
Here are the famous last words that I've heard so many people say. Well, pastor, you don't know me. I'm spiritual. I can handle it. Uh Uh-huh. Right, you can handle it. How's that working for you? You can't handle it. There's not a human being on planet Earth who can set themselves up for destruction and pull themselves out of it at the last second. Doesn't work. All right, so avoid compromising situations. Uh, Another thing you can help with, parents, hold them accountable for what they do on outings. Now, that means that, yes, you have to be the dad who sits up till midnight with the shotgun sometimes. Remember that? All the old scary things, where you been, boy? Or where you been, girl? And um, flip that shotgun up. Now bring him in. Say, hey, what, what'd you do tonight? Where'd you go? What time did you go there? How was it? Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Talk through it. If you don't talk through every outing, they will get into a habit of not having open communication with you. And when there is not open communication between any parties in a close relationship, deceit can easily be formed. Okay? So when open communication goes out, deceit replaces it. This happens in marriages. This happens in parent-child relationships. This happens in all kinds of relationships. So you've got to hold them accountable. We've talked about this game before, but you could play it with your kids. Play the side and advance game. When your kid's Briston's age, say, Hey, Briston, what are you ever going to do if a girl comes up to you and says, I want to kiss you? Right? Now, that would be a joke right now when he's that age. Um, he'd probably, what, what, do you, what would you say? See, he doesn't even know. So they definitely need to play that game. Now, if I ask my daughter, um, what would you ever do if a boy came up to you and said, I want to kiss you? She's going to tell him mace in the face, right? Um, she's going to tell him, you Buster, you better get out of here or I'll knock you silly. I've got two brothers that I can beat up. So, um, or whatever. So, yeah, well, especially the younger one. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm messing with Dawson. He's fun to mess with. Um, but we've got to talk through these playing advanced games of what happens in this situation. And you build a situation for them. And parents, believe it or not, your child is not innocent little Bobby Sue or Bobby Billy Sue or whatever. You know what I'm saying. Your child has a deceitful, sinful heart. And so sometimes when you do a play in advance game, you have to build a grave, horrible scenario for your own child. Let's say, hey, here's the situation. What are you going to do? Because they have to decide in advance what's going to happen with that. Yeah, the first, first we talked about don't even let them be in the situation. Do you, do you know what the best way to stop your daughter from having to answer a, a guy in the car who is with her that night and says, hey, we're in the car together. Let's make out. And if you love me, we'll do this. You know what the best situation to stop that is? Don't ever let her be in a car with a boy. That's the best situation. And if you don't ever let that happen, that won't ever happen. She'll never have to deal with it. Another one, don't be afraid to step in and reinforce boundaries. 
And so those are just some ideas for parents on number two. Number three, I need to treat members of the opposite sex wisely and honorably. Wisely and honorably. And parents, if you got that handout a couple weeks ago, um, go through that with your kids and talk about how they can be honorable and wise in their treatment of the opposite sex. Number four, this is for kids. I need to earn my parents' trust that I will do the right thing when people aren't watching me. And this goes way beyond dating or courting. This goes into every area of life. Um, There are people who have faked their own parents out. And they faked their own parents out. Their parents think that they are the best thing that's ever walked on the planet. Right? How many of you have ever seen the beginning of a season, even if it's a two-minute clip or an, an advertisement of the show American Idol? You ever seen that? When they have people in there who cannot carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket or a 50-gallon drum. They can't sing or the lick. And they come in before these judges, and they tell them, my mama said I'm the best singer. Or my Aunt Billy said I'm Betty. <laughs> I'm having trouble with the Billy Betty thing. And they get up there, and they can't sing at all. Now, there are young people who go through their formative years and they get to the end of adolescence and they trick their parents into thinking things about them that aren't true. And and so, young people, this is on you. Once you begin a deceitful track of deliberately posing in your life, you are headed down a path that has an ending. The end of a poser's path is destruction. You do not want to be a poser. You've got to come to the reality of your life and take the deceit and just uncover it. The Bible has a verse that I think of all the time. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. No wiggle room on that. It doesn't say he that covereth his sins sometimes makes it through. No, if you cover your sins, you will not prosper. And that's something to teach from a very early age. If you can't trust your child to do something at 11 and it never changes, what makes you think that you're going to be able to trust them now to go out with a boy or a girl? Um, There has to be a trust factor involved. And you have to have this relationship. So, This doesn't naturally happen. Parents, I don't know if you know this or not, but it is very unnatural feeling to interview your daughter's dates. Right? I don't care if you're a Green Beret. It's still tough. You don't like to do that. Now, some dads are so fun-loving that they actually do like it because they just enjoy teasing people, um, which is a good thing. But... You know, it can be uncomfortable. If, if you have to tell your son or your daughter, hey, getting too close to that kid, you need to back off, and we need to talk that through, that's not a fun conversation. Because the chances are, if you have a sinner as a child, which you do, that they will be upset at you for a time period. 
But you know, later on in life, they're going to thank you. Later on in life, they're going to say, Mom and Dad, thank you for building deliberate boundaries in my life to help me make it on the right path. Because there's a lot of their peers who are going to go down a different path. And most of it is because their peers' parents are not involved in this particular trap. They've just let it go. Oh, they'll figure it out. No, they won't. Nobody figures out righteousness on their own. Guess what people figure out on their own? Sin. You don't ever have to teach anybody to sin. But you do have to teach them righteousness. So the right path begins with these formative decisions. And it would not be a horrible thing if you have a young person who's starting to go through adolescence to sit down this very week and talk about some of these things. Say, hey, what did you think about what Pastor said? And did you just read there in the passage about not being unequally yoked? What does that mean? What kind of decision should you make for your life? Because you would not believe. You would not believe how many Christian kids I've had come and tell me, well, I'm dating this guy, or I started dating this girl, and they're not a Christian, but pastor, but pastor. Like, I didn't even say anything. I said nothing. I'm dating this guy, and he's not a Christian, but, 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 but. Hold on here. Hold on. You know why? Because they already know it's wrong. They already know it's wrong. And it, the whole I'm going to convert him, convert her thing, you do not want to go through the same experiment that thousands of other people have got fallen on their face on. Um, if you're walking down the hall and somebody trips over something, guess what you should do? See what they tripped over. Right? If a car in front of you on the road all of a sudden swerves, you might want to see if there's something in the road instead of just running right over it. But that's so often what we do in this area. Parents who make horrible mistakes in their own dating life don't teach their children anything different, and their children run over the same things they did. And it can be fixed. By God's grace, it can be fixed. Maybe you did make some mistakes. Yesterday ended last night. That's over. But you can change what happens today. You can change what happens tomorrow in your own child's life. And teaching principles to your grandchildren. I, that's where it gets so hard. Um, when you have grandchildren and their parents won't teach them this stuff, it's still okay for you to talk to your 10 or 11-year-old grandchild and say, hey, who are you hanging out with is cool. Any of those kids at school going out with each other? Yeah, they're going out with each other. And it, this fantasy game, here's what it builds. You have 15, 16, 17-year-old girls and boys who feel weird if they're not going out with somebody right now. If they don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they feel like they're out of touch with reality. They're out of touch with reality. Reality is, God has principles in His Word that can never be violated without repercussions. And this issue that we're talking about tonight is huge for your life. 
And so I hope you'll take it to heart. Let's stand. We'll be discussing a closing word. Love every one of you. Appreciate you. If you ever need my help with any of this stuff, I certainly do not know it all, but I'd be happy to talk to you and give you any, any information that I can. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. You are so good to us. And we thank you for the treasure, for the gift.